Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday. I nearly said Tuesday. I don't know what day it is. Uh, Thursday, the 12th of May, 2022. A beautiful day here in the Macedon Ranges. Uh, a little bit of uh, sunshine creeping through the clouds, but not a breath of wind. And uh, pre, pre-winter, where the, the leaves are starting to fall off the trees, it's just a beautiful, crisp morning and a beautiful day to be alive. So wherever you are in the world, I trust you have been enjoying and are continuing to enjoy a phenomenal, phenomenal week that your sales team is making every single post a winner. And if they're not, they're doing everything they possibly can to allow the foundations to reap the harvest next week, the week after, and the week after that. Darren Mitchell here, host of the show. So glad you could join me for yet another episode. And I must apologize, there's been a bit of a delay between uh, the last podcast episode and this one, and I don't want to use excuses, but uh, I've been literally flat out uh, all day, every day, uh, pretty much literally seven days a week since I recorded the last podcast. So doing various different things, workshops, coaching, mentoring, but also my other full-time job, which is uh, running a female footy program. So there's been lots and lots happening. So if you've been wondering where I've been for the last 10 or so days, I have been around, I have been trying to be quote-unquote productive, but uh, if you've been hanging out for another episode, I do apologize, and uh, I promise I'm going to get back to a rhythm of doing as many as I possibly can per week. Ideally, get back to the rhythm of five per week, and uh, let's continue to add the value. Now, before we jump into today's episode, a quick reminder, and you know what happens if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, the question is, why not? Uh, hopefully it's delivering value. Hopefully it has been delivering value and my intention is to continue to deliver value. But uh, so that I can let you know when new episodes are up and running, the best thing you can do is actually subscribe or press follow on the Apple platform, which will enable you to know when new episodes are up and ready to be digested. The other thing I'd like to suggest and hopefully encourage you to do is if you've got people within your own sphere of influence who you believe could benefit from listening to some Aussie guy talk about sales and sales leadership, then uh, by all means, share this episode with them, share the podcast with them, and give them the gift of possibly learning some new stuff, even some new perspectives that might help them just a little bit improve the way that they go about their own sales career, but also their own sales leadership career. So I greatly appreciate if you can do that. And of course, no podcast would be complete without asking you to rate the show as well. So if you can rate the show, whether it's one, two, three, four, or hopefully five stars, greatly appreciate that. And if you can take the time to also uh, provide some commentary on what you think is some good stuff that's happening with the show. Even if you don't agree with some of the things, I'd love to get feedback because feedback is and always will be the breakfast of champions. So uh, thank you for that ahead of time and um, preemptive thanks because I know that there are a lot of people out there who are listening. Just need more people to rate the show because it makes it easier for others to find the show as well. So with that said, let's talk about today's topic. And uh, I've run... <laughs> I've run a lot of workshops over the last week or so, plus done a heap of coaching, and there's a theme that's coming out of this, and it's around it's around leadership awareness. And I wrote this a little bit about this on Sunday night in in LinkedIn, but it's a, a number of conversations that I've been having. It's it's fair to say that there's a lot of leaders who are not necessarily being fully present 
And maybe, just maybe, there's a few examples that I've had where they've been feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the expectations that are being placed upon them. And that's transcending into the environment that's been created for their team. So I wanted to talk about uh, that today in the context of some of the leader's ultimate responsibilities that we have. And it may not necessarily be some of the areas that is top of mind for you, because it's certainly not top of mind for a lot of leaders that I speak with. But if we can get these three things done, three things really dialed in, it can make a world of difference in terms of not only how you feel as a leader, but also how you perform as a leader, and therefore the environment you create based on those things, which only enhances the ability for your team to perform at a much higher level. But also, I'm all about driving consistency and sustainability. Uh, you probably you probably see this that there's a lot of a lot of sales teams, a lot of sales people, and by default, a lot of sales leaders who might have a fantastic year one year. They have one out of the box. Sometimes they're really lucky because they happen to be in the right place at the right time. They've literally caught lightning in a bottle that particular year, so they absolutely blow their target out of the water. And then what typically happens in a many in many cases? When I say many cases, probably. In about 85% of the cases, these particular sales teams and leaders who have a phenomenal out-of-the-box year, the following year, there is a letdown. Now, there's a number of reasons for that, but I'm all about consistency. I'm all about, hey, if we can actually get close to our target every single year, and being an exceptional leader doesn't mean we're falling short of our target, but being an exceptional leader means we're blasting our target and doing this on a consistent basis and using the previous year as a platform for raising our performance and raising our expectations even further for the following year. If we can do that, then we drive uh, consistency, but we also drive sustainability. And when you've got those two things in place, you've got a a culture where people want to be part of, a culture which becomes more attractive. And I'm not going to say it becomes effortless, but I guarantee you when you've got a culture that is a high-performing culture where people feel as if they're valued and you've got a leader who is heading in the right direction with the right principles in place, then you almost become unstoppable. Does that mean you don't still have challenges and issues and stuff that happens that could potentially derail your progress? Absolutely, that always happens. But leaders who are able to do these things and keep these things front of mind are the ones that more often than not will be able to overcome any of those challenges and make sure that consistency and sustainability becomes the cornerstone of long-term exceptional performance. All right, so let's get into this. So if you think about it, a leader, and certainly any leader, whether it be a sales leader or even just an operational leader, there's a number of different levers they have, a number of different buttons they have at their disposal in order to build and maintain a highly sustainably successful team and a high-performing team. Now, one of these levers is what I call leadership awareness and being conscious of not only your own Uh, foibles, your own strengths, but also being conscious of what are the team's key characteristics. What are the individual's characteristics individually, but also collectively when you put those together? What are their strengths as a group, but also where are the blind spots? Now, interestingly, speaking with a group of people this week, they uh, they were hell-bent on talking about strengths and weaknesses, and we had a phenomenal conversation around weaknesses and how, really, weaknesses are nothing more than blind spots. So, it's, we've got to be really conscious and really careful on how we actually label things because yeah, a weakness conjures up all sorts of things that may conjure negative approaches versus blind spots or a lower level of familiarity becomes a little bit easier to now look at things in terms of strategies, tactics to either overcome those blind spots, uh, turn those unfamiliar things into more familiar things and therefore move towards becoming a strength. So one of the key things I want you to think about is 
Don't consider weaknesses. Uh, weaknesses is a negative term. Now, I'm not trying to be some positive psychology guru out there, but there are so many people who focus on strengths and weaknesses, and they are hell-bent on trying to work on their weaknesses to try and turn those into strengths. By the very fact of focusing on a weakness, uh, unless you have a great mentor, unless you're looking at the right technique, the more you work on that particular weakness without the appropriate um, approach, tactics, strategies, you potentially can even further enhance that weakness and it becomes even further embedded. So thinking about things like blind spots, being curious towards those blind spots and looking at ways to make some improvement without attaching yourself to the outcome is a key thing to work on. But fundamentally, from a leadership point of view, it's about taking the key strengths that we've got, looking for the blind spots. And as we continue to build uh, build the team and bring people in, look for people who have strengths in areas where others have blind spots because you now start to build a much more rounded, more functional team. So when it comes to this, uh, awareness is super, super important, certainly for a, for a leader as from a self perspective, but also for the team. Now, if we understand that the team is watching like a hawk, and I've talked about this countless times, and I'll keep talking about it because it's such an important topic. Your team is watching you like a hawk, and they ultimately do become a reflection of you as a leader. Then as a leader, we must become experts in three key areas. First of all, knowing, doing, but also being. Now, when these three things overlap, we hit what I call the sweet spot of team performance where everything comes together. It's like being in a symphony and all of the instruments are working in unison and they're creating some beautiful, beautiful music. But if you heard the individual instruments on their own without looking at and hearing the others, then they may not sound as good as they do as part of the overall symphony. So getting these three things right, getting these three things working in unison is critical to us creating an environment where we can underpin exceptional performance. And this is why it's one of the leader's ultimate responsibilities. So I want to talk about this in a bit of detail in terms of each of these. The first one, let's talk about knowing. Knowing is all about building knowledge. So as a leader, you have to have a certain level of knowledge about the industry, about the business, about leadership, about how to deal with people, how to be able to read people. But it's also identifying what are the strengths that you can possess and what are the strengths that others possess and how can you build a level of awareness around being able to tap into those strengths when it's needed. What gaps need to be filled? How do you, how do you know when it's time to utilize a strength either of yourself or some of somebody within your team? And are you aware of the knowledge gaps that might exist between the team and between individuals within the team and know A, when they need to be filled, but B, know how to fill them as well. So this is, this is double-edged. So from a knowing point of view, it's about knowledge and how can we continue as a leader to continue to build our knowledge, uh, build our expertise as a leader, but it's also developing what I call the intuitive faculty. So being able to know when you need to step in, knowing when you have to say the right thing. It's being able to essentially read the play, which presupposes, of course, that as a sales leader, as an exceptional sales leader, we need to build a high level of emotional intelligence. So intuitive faculties, being able to know what to say at the right time, can actually turn into a super, super weapon for you in leadership. And it can only enhance the ability of your teams to expand their capabilities as well as their confidence. Uh, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, the competence and confidence loop is such an important thing. And as a leader, we have a very, very serious role to play in helping develop not only the level of competency that our teams develop, but also the level of confidence 
that the team develop through expanding their level of competency. So the first part is knowing, knowing that you can do this, knowing that you build the knowledge, knowing that you belong, and knowing when to actually step in and, and pretty much knowing when to read the play. The next one I want to talk about is the doing part and knowing what needs to be done. Uh, it's as simple as this, knowing what actions need to be taken at which time in order to drive performance in the right direction. And this again comes through consistency. So knowing that they will deliver the results. So essentially sitting down and dumbing it down, because one of the conversations I've had with a number of teams over the last couple of weeks is trying to remove a lot of the clutter that teams experience because they've been the catch-all for the organization. So when when there's been a, a doubtful situation or people are not sure where to go within a certain situation based on a, a customer request, it seems that the salesperson, and in some cases the sales leader, becomes the catch-all. So when in doubt, go to the account manager. When in doubt, go to the sales leader. So there's a lot of stuff that's getting thrown over the fence. And for many sales leaders and sales teams, this can become overwhelming because they're doing so many things that are probably outside of their core responsibilities. So the doing part is being really, really aware of what needs to get done in order to maximize performance. And sometimes this is about saying no. Saying no to people, but giving reasons as to why we're not doing this particular thing. So getting very granular on what will move the dial forward, but also getting granular on what the expectations are for others so that we can continue to condition people that, you know what, when it comes to delivering outcomes for customers and essentially delivering outcomes for the bottom line of the business that we're working for, then there are going to be certain activities that we are going to focus our attention on because we know that that will maximize the effort that we put in. And so being very clear on what is the things that we need to do, it's all about consistent standards of behavior and consistent standards of excellence. It's also from a leadership point of view, having the conversations and doing the things that you know you need to do often when you do not feel like doing them. And this is what leadership's all about, doing the things that have to be done irrespective of how you feel. But if we can do things, and the key part here is identifying what those things are, if we can then apply a level of consistency around that and have the conversation when we're being asked to maybe divert our attention away from those consistent things, then we're going to drive amazing levels of performance, which will go directly to the bottom line. So being really clear on what are the things that we, as a leader and we as a team, are going to do. And the third thing is about being. Now, this is something that leaders don't necessarily spend near enough time on, nor do they spend near enough time on talking about this with their team. So the being part is one of the, I guess, what I consider to be the key differentiators between leaders who become okay and leaders who become exceptional. So this is about becoming the trusted advisor. A leader who becomes a model of excellence for the team to follow and a leader who is prepared to do what they say they're going to do. So they're prepared to walk the talk. Now, this is about creating a phenomenal culture where people want to be part of that draws people in. But not only does it draw people in, it actually keeps people as well and turnover will become a thing of the past or very, very limited in terms of uh, people leaving. But you're going to have people wanting to be part of the environment that you're creating. And I ran a workshop this week uh, for an organization and we based it on a philosophy that was developed uh, over 20 years ago out of Seattle in Washington. And it's since been studied by hundreds, if not thousands of organizations and many big companies have actually used this philosophy to drive performance towards an exceptional level. And it's known as the fish philosophy. And where it came from is there was a bunch of guys working in a place called the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle. And there was a guy who happened to be a, uh, was he, a, he was a documentary maker and a filmmaker 
who walked through the markets and saw this and heard this commotion that was coming from this particular fish market. And uh, he was drawn to it. And what he witnessed was something extraordinary uh, and something you wouldn't necessarily see in a fish market selling fish. And he ended up bringing back a camera crew and filmed these guys over a period of three days. And then when he was going over the footage, he realized that there are four key things these guys were doing every single day to not only create a phenomenal culture where they wanted to come to work every day and think about this, they're simply selling fish, but more importantly, they drew customers in from miles around to want to be part of what they were doing and their sales went through the roof. And the simple philosophy was, hey, these and these guys were doing things like throwing fish. They were yelling, they were screaming, they were having fun. And essentially, there are four key philosophies that they, they identified. And this is all part of the being part. And so you don't have to be selling fish. You could be selling widgets. You could be selling information. You could be selling people in terms of consultancy. But the four key areas that I want to put under the being part is equally important. And the first one is, as part of this philosophy, is play. Play, having fun at work. Now, it's really interesting having this conversation this week with a group, and we're talking about exploring fun in the workplace. Now, many people turned around and said, hey, I come to work to work. I don't come to work to have fun, and my boss doesn't want me to have fun. And I said, well, that's interesting because your boss just paid me to come in and teach you about having fun at work. So we tried to turn that completely on its head because if you think about this, if you can create, and certainly as a leader, if you can create an environment where people have fun at work, and it doesn't have to mean throwing fish or throwing knives or doing anything like that. It doesn't have to be you know, telling jokes from, a, from the top of a table. But what it does mean is when you are at work, how can you bring energy into what you do and how can you in, introduce things like gamification and play to make your job easier, to make your job more playful, and therefore when you're more playful, your ability to communicate with people goes up and it's contagious. So what these guys at the fish market understood and realized is they were having fun. They were simply selling fish. And when they turned it on its head and started to have fun, they loved what they did. They actually found the time went through really, really quickly each and every day. But they found the customers were drawn to them because of the energy they were creating. And it's all about energy, which is all about the being part. So if you look at your organization, your team, how can you bring an element of fun? How can you bring potentially an element of gamification into your environment, which will have a positive impact on the culture? And as part of that, how are you going to be when you're doing that? How are you going to be when you're having fun? Are you having fun? Or do you take it everything so seriously? So that's the first one, play. The second one is making their day. So when you think about this, when you're having fun, how easy is it to therefore make somebody else's day? And it's as simple as being present with them, or it's as simple as having some fun with them, or smiling at them, or even even doing something really simple like having a conversation with them. Uh, engaging them in, the, in a positive light and making their day. Because how many times do people come into your environment and they're not feeling great? And do they feel better having left you or do they feel great having left you? And I always talk about this in terms of the impression of increase. If you can create the impression of increase where people feel better having had the conversation with you and they're not feeling better necessarily about you because it's not about you, but they're feeling better about your organization what you're talking about, or even better, they're feeling better about themselves for having had that interaction with you, then not only have you left them with that impression of increase, you've probably gone a long way to making their day. Now, if you don't get a a transaction right there and then, that's okay. What you've done is you've planted a seed for a transaction will happen down the track 
because you haven't tried to close them on a single on a single interaction, but you've actually left them with that feeling that you know what this this is somebody or this organization is an organization I want to come back and explore more. I want to come back and have a have further interaction. So how can you make people's day? And there are thousands and thousands of ideas you can generate, but just think about for the people you are interacting with each and every day, how can I make this person's day? What can I do and how do I have to be in order for this person to feel better having had the interaction with me? If you do that over and over and over again, look out, the results will be absolutely phenomenal. The third one is be there. And this is about being present as well. When you're with somebody, be present with somebody. When you're doing an activity, be present in that activity. So it's about doing one thing at a time and doing it really, really well. So taking the time, for example, when you're sitting down having a coffee with somebody, take the time to really listen to the person, but also take the time to savor the flavor of the coffee. So be present in the moment. So be there is all about being present. Now, if you're present with somebody and you're present with yourself and you're experiencing the moment for what it is, then how much easier is it therefore to make the day of somebody else and therefore how much easier is it to have fun when you're doing that? So be there. And the biggest one, probably the most important one for leaders in particular and teams is choose your attitude. Now, we can choose our attitude despite what is happening around us because ultimately, choosing our attitude is about responding to what is happening, not letting what's happening dictate what's going to make us feel a certain way because you know as well as I do, nothing can make you feel anything and nothing will have meaning until we allocate meaning to it. So this is one of the biggest things that come out of this philosophy that ultimately, irrespective of what's going on in your environment that day, We have a choice in terms of how we respond to that and therefore, we can choose our attitude. So when you wake up in the morning, do you choose your attitude? And if you choose your attitude to be upbeat and positive, then guess what? It's going to be a lot easier to be present. It's going to be a lot easier to make somebody else's day and it's going to be a lot easier to actually play and have fun at work, which guess what? Translates into much better environments and certainly much better results. So all of that is about how to be each and every day. And as a leader, we have an example that we need to set. And dare I say it, we have a responsibility we need to put in place so that we are being the best possible version of us we can possibly be. Now, it's not about being somebody else who we're not. It's not about doing things that is outside of our comfort zone to the point where we're hitting a terror barrier. So it's not about doing things that we've never, ever done before. But I do promote getting out of the comfort zone, but getting into the learning zone. But it is about being the best possible version of us and being okay with that. Doing all you can do and knowing that all you can do is going to be enough. And how I create that environment is by being present. I will choose my attitude. I will make the person's day who's in front of me. And I'll actually choose to gamify what I do and to have fun when I do it. Now, if you do that, what do you think is going to happen to the environment you create? And therefore, the people in that environment, how do you think they're going to start to become And what you'll see is a level of consistency and sustainability that may be beyond your wildest dreams. But here's the thing. It does take work and it does take intentionality. So you might be sitting there right now thinking, oh, that's all well and good for people who are in a fish market or this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't work in my business. And what I say to you is bollocks. It will work in your environment. It will work in your business. You have to make the choice to perhaps get outside of your comfort zone, to try some things you've never tried before. Don't go so far as to go outside into your terror barrier and through the terror barrier into your terror zone or your fear zone, but do some things that are outside of your comfort zone to the point where you can build that level of being. And with that, what you'll find is you may be just surprised at the level of capability that's now developed within your team. And therefore, the results that start to flow through 
may actually surprise you beyond your wildest expectations. And that is my desire for you. But it does take work. It does take a decision and it does take intention. So with that, I hope that makes sense. I hope that resonates and I hope it is of value to you and to your sales team. And of course, as we wrap up this particular episode, if you'd like some help with your own leadership, if you are committed to taking your leadership to an exceptional level because you know there's more that can be done and there's more results and there's more potential you can extract not only out of yourself but also out of your team, hey, why don't you and I work together and help? let me help you do just that over the next 90 days. I've got some spots coming up in, uh, in my calendar. Love to work with another exceptional sales leader and help them well on their journey to become that exceptional sales leader in the next 90 days or so. To do that, simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com. We'll jump on a call, have a conversation and uh, put a plan together and start working as early as next week. Look forward to that conversation. And as always, hey, thanks for plugging into the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. And I very much look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.